This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Last year, the nonprofit People for Bikes rated more than 1,700 cities around the world on the quality of their bike networks. Now, each city received a score on a scale of 0 to 100. A low score of 0 to 20, well, that indicates that the city lacks safe bikeways or that there are gaps in the bike network. And a high score of 80 to 100, that indicates that most common destinations are accessible and safe for bikers of all skill levels. Now, the average rating for all cities was 27, which is not so good. But Chicago fared worse than average. It scored among the lowest cities, earning a 7 out of 100. Now, with the city of Chicago being rated among the worst big cities in the world for bike safety, eight years in a row, mind you, and traffic crashes involving cyclists on the rise, we wanted to sit down with bike safety advocates to hear what they want Chicago leaders to do to upgrade the city's cycling infrastructure. So we're joined today by several cycling advocate groups to discuss what the city's doing and can do to prioritize safety. Kyle Lucas is here. He's the co-founder of Better Streets Chicago. Welcome, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. We are also joined by Dave Simmons, who's the executive director of Ride Illinois. Thanks for being here, Dave. Good afternoon, Sasha. And Jim Merrill, who is the managing director of advocacy at Active Transportation Alliance. Welcome, Jim. Hello. All right. So Mayor Johnson attended Bike the Drive on DuSable Lakeshore Drive this weekend, and he tweeted Sunday. He said, quote, I'm committed to ensuring that all of Chicago has abundant access to safe, active transportation options in order to create healthy, sustainable, and equitable communities, end quote, which, you know, this reflects on CDOT's uh, 2023 biking strategy. So what did it mean to have him attend your event, Jim? We'll start with you. Well, we were so excited to have Mayor Johnson out there with 15,000 other participants on a car-free DuSable Lakeshore Drive. A beautiful, beautiful day. Beautiful late fall day. Yeah, it was great. Um, and, you know, I mean, kind of linking it back to what you're just talking about with the People for Bikes uh, analysis, you know, one of the things that Mayor yeah. talked about um, before uh, Bike the Drive began, we were happy to have him help us kick it off, was you know, his commitment and something that was included in the, the transition report was looking at lowering our default speed limit in the, in the city. We're one of the few large cities in the country that has a default speed limit of 30 miles an hour. And that's actually the big data point that really kind of tanked our score in that people for bikes analysis because we allow people to drive at unsafe speeds um, as the kind of default default approach. But, you know, places like New York, Indianapolis, and Milwaukee, a little closer to home, have all lowered their default speed limit to, to 25 miles per hour. So we know that's a big piece of the puzzle when we talk about how do we move Chicago up that ranking, which I know we want, we Chicago boosters all want to be number one. Yeah. So his attendance, for you, did it reflect a commitment to, to safer streets? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think not only was the mayor there, but he also had a, had a bunch of uh, members of city council riding along with him. And I think uh, you know, taking the, it's an early day, uh, back to drive. So taking the time to, to get up, um, make those remarks and, you know, bring some members of city council together, really, we think it really shows that he's serious about providing leadership on, on this key issue. Earlier this summer, uh, Gia Biagi, who's the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Transportation, resigned. Uh, so how would you describe your relationship with the, the previous CDOT commissioner? Yeah, Commissioner Biaggi, uh, you know, she came on board in, in a tough time right in, in 2020, the beginning of, of the pandemic. And, you know, we were grateful for her leadership on, uh, on a few different exciting initiatives. But I think probably her biggest impact was, you know, CDOT did a lot of kind of internal reflection and planning and a new strategic plan that really for the first time put an emphasis on transportation as a racial equity issue. 
and recognizing when we talk about who's being impacted yeah. by traffic violence and traffic crashes, it's often disproportionately black and brown Chicagoans who are being either inside of a car or outside of a car being hurt um, or worse, even killed in traffic violence. And so we really appreciated uh, the commissioner's uh, you know, kind of razor sharp focus on integrating the racial equity lens into the work. Um, yeah. And, you know, we look forward to uh, to working with the, the next commissioner as well. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Kyle? I mean, cycling networks, they expanded by more than 100 miles during her tenure. Yeah, I think I think there were a lot of strides that were made under her leadership and uh, starting to build that network out. What we're still seeing, though, is that there's a lot of disconnection. We, we don't really have a true network. Um, often bike lanes will disappear across ward lines. So it really can come down to whether or not your older person is really plugged in or on board with the project. Um, what we've really lacked for quite a while is a lot of vision and leadership from the mayoral level to really ensure that there's a citywide approach to planning out these networks of bike lanes. So that's, I think, what we're really hoping for in this current administration is that they will start to take those strides to really plan at a city level and mm-hmm. connect our neighborhoods together safely. Let's bring you in here, Dave. Uh, to that end, I mean, under Biagi, CDOT released its 2023 cycling strategy, as we've mentioned, and it uh, focuses largely on safety and expansion. So give us your thoughts on the plan, first of all. And I'm sure. curious whether you feel a sense of ownership over the strategy. Yeah, well, you know, it, what's interesting is... Um, there's not a, a, a one, I guess, a silver bullet, if you will, right? It's going to take the infrastructure, the traffic calming, the speed limits, you know, that, that Jim referenced to reducing speed limits. And so it really has to be holistic. So it's, it's certainly a step in the right direction. Um, from Ride Illinois' perspective, being a statewide org, um, we're, you know, maybe a, a small step removed or maybe, maybe even a bigger step removed because we know we've got great orgs, um, you know, orgs that Kyle and, and Jim are involved with really digging in. And yeah. so the fact that they're able to be persistent and, and present and keep, you know, pushing for change is really important because we can then point to Chicago when we talk to folks in other communities around the state and say, hey, here's what Chicago's doing. Chicago tends to set the the trend, right? Um, and so we really want to be able to look at Chicago uh, and, and reference Chicago mm-hmm. as a, a city that's doing the right thing. So with this plan, 80% of planned projects, there are uh, low-stress bikeways, right? 75% of Chicagoans will live within a half a mile of a low-stress bikeway. And 85% of the identified projects are calling for protected bike lanes and neighborhood greenways that are comfortable for people of all abilities and all ages, not just for those who are experienced cyclists. So, I mean, to to Dave's point, Jim, if, if the strategy is always driven at the community level, do you think Chicago's cycling infrastructure is always going to look different block by block? Yeah, I mean, having that, you know, what the transportation planners call context sensitivity. Um, people, you know, have opinions and, and deep knowledge about the way that their streets should be working. And so integrating that community leadership and input and in uh, decisions around how we're going to build out our low-stress bike network is really critical. And, you know, to CDOT's credit, and again, under Commissioner Biaggi, that's something that we saw them really take some important strides towards this more kind of neighborhood-by-neighborhood approach where they're investing more of their time in building relationships with uh, community leaders and advocates to understand, you know, what are the needs of of this particular place? Because a majority of bike rides are actually just, you know, a few miles or less uh, in distance. And so focusing on those neighborhood trips is a really good way to actually, you know, what our goal is to get people out of their car and, and using healthier, more sustainable ways to get around. 
So um, yeah, so I think the the, the focus there was, was was a good one. Yeah. What do you think, Kyle, about curb protected bike lanes and their effectiveness? Like, does that strategy to you go far enough? Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things that we really push for is for concrete protection, and that's what we really want to see. Uh, we say all the time, paint is not protection. And uh, too often where, where we've seen cyclists killed are even on designated cycling routes, um, you know, often yeah. at intersections. So I think, you know, a lot of what they've started doing with concrete protection is really good. A great example is on Augusta Boulevard okay. where they just recently did something as simple as switch the location of the parking and the bike lanes. So now the bike lanes are next to the curb and are prote- protected by cars that are parked there. Um, is had, this what the city means by low stress bikeways? Is this part one of, of the ways? Yeah, either creating that low stress either on an arterial like Augusta, or also creating low stress through neighborhoods uh, on you know less trafficked streets. Um, but yeah, one thing that they need to do though is focus a lot more on intersections specifically. That's where a lot of crashes happen um, by you know turning drivers who aren't either didn't see or weren't paying attention, didn't look. Mm -hmm. Um, What can they do in in your eyes? Yeah, um, you can do what's called protected intersections where you create those um, concrete bump outs that prevent people from parking, creating situations where uh, there is low visibility. So that way, you know, allows for drivers to see a little bit better. It also forces drivers to take tighter turns so that they're going slower and gives them more opportunity to, uh, to see if a cyclist is coming. Great way to, you know, physically enforce the infrastructure without having to ticket someone or have someone there with like a speed gun or something. You know, it's, it, it's yeah. self-enforcing infrastructure. And Dave, uh, Divi expanded to every Chicago neighborhood last year. And now it's the, the largest bike sharing service in North America. What sort of impact do bike sharing companies like Divi have on cycling culture in a city? Sure. Yeah. You know, it, it gives people options. And the more and more we we have conversations, whether it's in small towns or in Chicago, people want options. Yeah. And um, access. So Divi, yeah. Divi, Divi offers that. You know, it's going to appeal to, to some people and then hopefully it, it continues to grow. But you know, when you hear statistics like the average new car costs $50,000, whether it's out of necessity or, you know, just desire, more people are going to choose to not drive for some of their trips. And so Chicago, in, in essence, needs to be prepared for making it safe for people to get around outside of a car. And so the things that are topics being discussed today are, are exactly um, what needs to be done. And there needs to be the focus on, you know, moving people safely and efficiently efficiently and not vehicles. So it's kind of a mind shift from the standpoint of a transportation planner. I'm curious, some of your favorite spots around Chicagoland to, to bike. You first, Jim. Oh, boy. Well, I mean... And what what do you say makes it good for, for cyclists? <laughs> yeah, I mean, since we're it's you know we're coming out of Labor Day weekend and, and bike the drive, I mean, the experience of, of biking on, on a car-free Lakeshore Drive is... It's it's really transformational. Just in, and when you, when you really kind of get a, a sense of how much of our city we're handing over to cars, um, and I know uh, Kyle's group was out out there on Sunday also doing like a sound study, looking at how much quieter it is uh, when we don't have really? uh, vehicle traffic on the highway, and we actually just make it for people. So I love. I mean, I love biking on the on the Lakefront Trail, but it's a, it's extra special when we're able to do it without the the constant din of traffic. Which really, you know, I mean, public health experts and stuff say that that can create that kind of toxic noise 
stress is really can contribute to all kinds of, of health problems. Yeah. Before you tell us your favorite spot to bike, Kyle, I got to hear more about this sound study. Yeah. Our group is um, currently working on a campaign to push back against the Illinois Department of Transportation's proposed designs for DuSable Lakeshore Drive. We think that they can do better than what they're presenting. Uh, so part of that, what we're doing is a community-led noise study of the drive. Uh, so we took a great opportunity of Active Transportation Alliance's Bike the Drive mm-hmm. to get a really quiet uh you know, Lakeshore in order to compare what it's like when there's no cars versus, you know, various different types of traffic levels. Yeah, very interesting. So where do you like to bike around here? Um, You know, I really, really like some of the new protected bike lane installations that the city is doing. Um, You know, I mentioned like Augusta Augusta earlier. Uh, When I had the chance to try that for the first time, it was one of the safest experiences cycling in Chicago that I have ever had. Mm. And it was incredible how it just changed the way that I felt, the way that I biked. I wasn't didn't have to be so defensive all the time and be worried. Mm. Uh, And I could actually enjoy biking. And that that was really, really wonderful. Dave, what about you? Where are you biking these days? Yeah, you know, I live out in Elk Grove Village, on the northwest suburbs, but I like to bike into the city and I do so quite frequently. And, and um, I will say I, I um, enjoy heading to some of the some events that we've participated in on the west side. Uh, there have been some improvements in the North Lawndale area, uh, such as along Douglas uh, Independence and near Douglas Park. So it's, I think it's interesting and kind of uh, eye-opening for, for me to experience just in that one trip, the good, the bad, and, and everything in between. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just trying to find different places to go because then I feel like I have a better idea of, of what's needed or what's, what seems to be working. Yeah, as we're talking safety here, I'm sticking with you for a sec here, Dave. Uh, recently, uh, CDOT worked with the CTA on an island design for bus boarding zones uh, to enhance bus operations and eliminate uh, bus bike conflicts, if you will. Is that an effective system? I, you know, it, it's new, right? So I think time will tell. But I, I, just the idea of trying new things. Right. From a, engineers like things that are black and white. And so trying new treatments, um, whether they're based on uh, treatments done in other cities and other countries, I think is what's important. We can't just um, continue to settle for what's kind of been accepted over decades. We need to evolve and, and hopefully Chicago can emerge as an example for yeah. cities across the country. Jim, you were smiling and nodding at that. <laughs> is it a good move? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I think, um, yeah, the examples of things like these bus boarding islands, um, the protected bike lanes, the things that all, all, of, all of these types of infrastructure are doing is they're, like we said before, they're kind of putting people over cars, right? So it's, it's thinking about the pedestrians who need to cross the street to get to the bus, um, the people on bikes who are moving through the roadway and the drivers themselves. A lot of these uh, these installations um, actually, you know, make the street a lot safer for everyone mm-hmm. using it. CDOT had really good stats on a protected bike lane project that they did um, on the north side in Logan Square, where they saw after they uh, installed this protected bike lane, which effectively narrows the, the the travel lanes for cars, which gets everyone to slow down naturally. They saw a, a reduction of fifty percent in all crashes. 70% of injury crashes went down, and there wasn't a single uh, pedestrian crash after the first year of installation. So Interesting. The, the safety impacts of bike lanes, I think sometimes you know, we're people who like to bike around, and we love how, how fun these, 
these bikes are, but we, we really forget to see the bigger picture and how this is really making our streets much more people-centric and easier for everyone to get around, yeah. um, particularly at intersections where we're shortening those crossing distances and, and making it easier for folks to, to get from one side to the other. Yeah, well, we're almost out of time, but I, I'd love a brief response from, from each of you here before you go. I mean, uh, for someone who hasn't, who's listening now, hasn't spent much time thinking about bike safety, right? Why should they tune into this issue and or how can they help? Kyle? Yeah, I I think the way that we like to think about it is that bike safety is public safety. It's about people. It's about our communities. It's about your neighbor. It's about your friend who bikes. Even if you don't bike, you should care about it because someone you know and you love does. Um, so at the at the heart of it, what like Jim was saying, it's centering people in our infrastructure design. Um, and yeah, if you wanna if you wanna help out, there's three great organizations here on the air right. today that you can get plugged into. I will into. name drop in just another <laughs> <Yes>. moment. <laughs> right, Jim. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely getting involved in your in your local community. We have our you know wonderful city council of 50 uh, wonderful older people that play a, a really large role uh, in in decisions around what's going to happen in our streets. So if people are are fired up about this, or if they're like me, walking a first time kindergartner to to school every morning. Um, you know, reaching out, and it's, it's not just about bikes, right? It's about making streets for people. Bike lanes can help us get there, but um, yeah. you know, slowing down the cars and, and getting involved, it starts, that's what we hear every time from city council members. I need to hear from, from my neighbors and my voters what they want to hear, so don't be shy. Dave? Yeah, just on an individual basis, Sasha, I mean, we, we can all uh, change our behavior, right? So we've got a, a fun little campaign going right now called I Can Bike There. So the idea is instead of grabbing the car keys and hopping in your car, like, can I ask yourself, can I bike somewhere, right? And, and often the answer is going to be yes. Sometimes it'll be no. So we just ask people to try to uh, impact their own behavior by just that simple thought, like pausing before they leave the yeah. house and then trying to find those trips they can either bike or walk to. Nice and easy. That's Dave Simmons, Executive Director of Ride Illinois. Kyle Lucas, co-founder of Better Streets Chicago, and Jim Merrill, managing director of advocacy at Active Transportation Alliance. There you go. Three organizations that need your help. We're talking about the ways that cities can improve infrastructure to prioritize the safety of cyclists. Thank you all. We're back with more Reset and more on biking. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. We've got two more guests to introduce. They've got tips on safe and enjoyable cycling in our area. Colin Cameron is a personal injury attorney with over 15 years of experience. He's a partner at Chicago Bike Law Firm. That's a law firm that represents cyclists who are injured in car accidents. Welcome to Reset, Colin. Hi, thanks for having me. And Benjamin O'Malley is a cycling enthusiast who earlier this summer completed a tour to Chicago. He visited all 77 community areas in Chicago on bicycle in one single day. Wow, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, we discovered you, Ben, after your feature in a Block Club Chicago article. We were so fascinated. Uh, we saw this map of your route that you posted online, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you biked 150 miles in just a day just to get to all those 77 community areas. So you've got to break it down for us. Where did you start? And then how long did that take? Okay, so I started at my apartment in Westtown, which I, I live nearby um, Milwaukee and Ashland in Division. So I took off and I initially headed southwest and then made my way south, east, back north. But along the way, you're constantly weaving in and out of 
different neighborhoods. Right. So I think I crossed Western Avenue maybe 10 times throughout the whole day. I can imagine. Um, and kept going north. Uh, I, it, it was a very hot day, so I was struggling with the heat. And, Ooh. And, and, was that safe? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, well, fortunately, a lot of the parks have free water. So, okay. you, so you're able to fill up on water. Okay, and I good. stopped for food at some local Chicago restaurants and uh, a stall that was selling hot dogs. So I had a Chicago hot dog. That was my fuel. Nice. And ultimately then came all the way back up north. So so thinking about the day, I mean, I was only on the, I was on the south side when I was halfway through. And so by then I had already crossed 30 different neighborhoods. By then you, you've seen so much by, already. And then the guy who was selling me food, I said, well, I got to go all the way up to, uh, he said he was from Rogers Park. I said, oh, yeah, I still got to go up to Rogers Park without telling him that I also had to then go west again and south and then back towards O'Hare to then finish the ride. <laughs> and he's looking at me like, you're you're nuts. And I was like, yeah, little do you know, little do you know. Well, you, I, I you mean, know, you just said I've seen so much. I mean, paint a picture for us. I mean, wh- what did you see? What what did it look like for you from your bike? Well, so so a lot of the south and west side, for the most part, was new to me in the sense that you have to go off the main road. So, like, let's say I've been to Midway Airport before, but never have I ridden my bike through the streets of Chicago mm-hmm. to get to Midway Airport and around Midway Airport. And there's a there were uh, a, a, a litany of Chicago parks that you pass by that you never think of, and you say, "Wow, those are those are great parks." You know, you think that uh, the ones I grew up with on the north side are, are really nice, but they're they're all the same throughout the whole city. Yeah, know, beautiful parks, uh, Lawndale to some other smaller ones that I can't remember the name, but water parks, mm-hmm. er- everything. So that was something I, I did notice. I paid attention to. I yeah. and I enjoyed. And also then as you head further south and you get closer to the border of uh, like Dalton area and Blue Island, Mm -hmm. the city kind of gets a little bit more uh, less urbanized. So you almost feel, I mean, you don't have to go too too much further south outside of the city and you start seeing cornfields. So as you're getting really close to that area, you kind of catch a a little bit of country vibe. I don't know how (laughs) I'd say it, but... So, so I, I like that. I love that down there. It's a, definitely a change of pace. And you were wearing a helmet, I, I was, yeah. yeah. The picture, I, I had the helmet. The camera was on the helmet. So when I took the picture, it was I had to hold my helmet in my hand. Yeah. So, so. so Colin, let's bring you in here. What kind of bike equipment uh, does Illinois law require? So uh, the first thing it requires is a front light to be used at night. Um, <clears throat> you have to be able to – the light has to be visible from 500 feet. And uh, – on uh, the back, you either need to have a uh, red reflector that's also visible within 500 feet, uh, or you can use a light mm-hmm. uh, in the back, either a solid red light or a uh, flashing red light. And uh, the law also requires that you have a uh, brake system that um, is able to skid, make the tires skid mm-hmm. on uh, dry pavement. Anything not required by law that you would add for safety? Uh, this is maybe a little controversial with some people, but I uh, I think a helmet's always a good idea, and um, it's not required by law, but I would definitely recommend it. Would you recommend what <laughs> what Ben just did? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I don't I mean, know as, that... a, as a as a as a personal injury <laughs> attorney. I mean, does does 
riding through 77 community areas in, in one day make you nervous? I'm curious. Well, you know, maybe in the abstract, but we were talking before we came on um, about how when you're riding uh, in the city, you're, you're constantly, you have to be vigilant. You're constantly looking um, for cars and obstructions in the road. So you're a lot more in the moment. Um, and so, you know, when I find, uh, when I'm riding, uh, I find that I enjoy it at the time. And, um, you know, maybe afterwards you think, oh, maybe that was <laughs> some of the, I had some <laughs> close calls and there was, you know, some somewhat dangerous things. But uh, in the moment, it's just a lot of fun for me. What other cycling laws uh, should cyclists generally be aware of? Well, I think uh, one of the most important ones is uh, to ride, uh, as the law says, as far to the right as practicable. Um, this is just kind of a good uh, rule of thumb, especially uh, for many of the streets that don't have bike lanes, if you're wondering where you should be. Um, you should be as far to the right as you can. Um, the exceptions to that, however, are if there's something obstructing your pathway on the right side or if you're going to get ready to make a turn or you're going to try to avoid being in a turn-only lane. Yeah. Um, in those circumstances, you can um, – uh, ride more to the center of the street or where you feel comfortable. Um, so I always tell people, you know, if there if there's not a bike lane on the street, stick to as far right as you can, as would be yeah. safe for you. I imagine you came across quite a few spots with no bike lanes, Def- right, Ben? Definitely. So we were, it is funny because we were talking prior on how, you know, we both, I, I think what I would say is everybody, mostly everybody, enjoys pedaling a bicycle once in a while you know if something to do it's it's everyone likes to ride a yeah. bike or everyone most people know it's how a good to. workout great workout the uh the air is flowing through your hair it's great and uh so but it is inherently dangerous in most places aside from the paths right and so when you're on these roads uh like 130th street had semi trucks flying on it and there's no bike lane. And so I think what in probably the the previous talkers, they wanted to talk about how we can maybe establish more bike lanes in the city or figure out a way to make it safer. Because it it is strange how people like to ride bikes and also it's it's an inherently dangerous activity. So um, well, speaking of that, you recorded your tour to Chicago, uh, the nearly 12 hour long video. It, It can actually be seen in its entirety on YouTube. Uh, as well as a, a time-lapsed version, of course. Uh, any standout moments you want to tell us about real quick? Mm, or I, major landmarks that you... Finishing was a, was a, was felt great. The end. It, yes, it did. <laughs> so I, we should fast forward then? Yeah, to the very end, to the very end. I, I finished and... Um, I, I, How'd you feel in that moment? <laughs> absolutely beat to I the point collapse. where I couldn't eat and... But but I I, I I was I felt great that I accomplished it. It was a great achievement to to accomplish, and I still look back on it as an epic day. It was an epic day. Yeah, so, one you'll never forget for sure. Definitely not. Uh, so back to you, Colin. Uh, you know some of the most common cycling accidents or injuries. What are they, and and what can we do to prevent them? So um, <clears throat> I would say that the most one of the most um, Frequent injuries I see are uh, things like fractured clavicles, um, knee, uh, torn meniscus, things like that. Um, Those injuries are pretty common. Um, One, and there are all different um, 
types of scenarios that happen regularly that cause uh, bike accident injuries, mm-hmm. whether it's somebody trying to take a turn in front of a cyclist, either a right turn going the same direction as that cyclist or a left turn coming the opposite way, not seeing the cyclist. Do you hear about repeat locations that come up over and over again with your clients? Yes. Um, specifically uh, Milwaukee Avenue, I would say between Pulaski and probably Grand. Yeah, we um, hear that a lot on the program Yeah, when that's, we talk about cycling. Yeah, that's um, a lot of people. You know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that just a lot of people ride on that street. It's a nice thoroughfare to get um, all over the city. Um, and uh, there also was just um, there's more now, but before there were no protected bike lanes whatsoever. So yeah. there's a lot of chaos. And I'd say tied for second would be any other uh, six corners in the city. Those mm-hmm. those uh, those are very busy as well. Those are. Very, I mean, when I first moved to Chicago over two years ago, I was very confused at those intersections. And I'm a motorist primarily, and I was just like, "What do I? Which mm-hmm. way? Which light is mine?" Right. Mm-hmm. It's a, a lot. lot of, a lot of a lot. people who've been here a long time are still confused. By <laughs> okay. Themselves. So I don't feel so bad. <laughs> shouldn't. So what should we do when we get in an accident? What actions do we immediately take? So um, we always tell people there's uh, four things you should do. Three of them are immediate. Um, the first is to call 911. And you want to call 911 because that's going to get a police officer out to the scene. And they're going to produce a police report, which is very important um, for any personal injury claim that you're going to make. Uh, the second one would be uh, to get the driver's info. So while you're waiting for the police, um, we usually recommend that people take a photograph, if they can, with their phone of the vehicle and the license plate, as well as the driver's driver's license and current insurance card. Okay. Um, the third thing we recommend is to get medical attention. Now, if you followed the first step and called 911, there's probably already an ambulance on the way um, to see if you need one. And, you know, a lot of people... If you have a serious injury, a broken bone, something like that, it's obvious you're going to go in the yeah. ambulance and go. I have seen people try to get back on the bike and keep going, though. Yes. And have, you know, passersby be like, no, 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 wait. Yes. And, that's, you know. and, and, th- and that's why we always tell people to err on the side of caution. Because yeah. when, you, um, when, you're, when you've just been in an accident, you've got a lot of adrenaline flowing. Yeah. Uh, you're in shock. And you might not be able to assess the injuries that you do have. Right. Um, and we have had, you know, just countless clients who thought they were okay um, and left the scene, didn't want to take an ambulance. Um, and then it turned out they had some pretty serious injuries um, that they only discovered later on. So we say, yeah. you know, go err on the side of caution and go in and check, get checked out. Great tips. Uh, just a few seconds left, but what's next for you, Ben? Well, we're, to follow up with what to do when you crash, we are working on making Tour de Shy an official event. Oh, that'd be cool. Yes, definitely. So, so where can we follow up? On your YouTube? or um, Yeah, or, or Twitter. or um, yeah. So What's your there, handle? It, it would be at Tour de Shy for now. Uh, that would be the best handle to follow the upcoming future uh, tour of all 77 Chicago neighborhoods. That'll be cool. A bunch of people doing it at the same time. Wow. Uh, there's, there's been some good feedback. So, <laughs> yeah. we're, so, so we have to, there's a lot of challenges too, because yeah. it is inherently dangerous. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get there. Sounds like. I think so. That's Ben O'Malley, who's the cyclist who completed a tour to shy, visiting all of Chicago's community areas in a single day. And Colin Cameron, who's an attorney at Chicago Bike Law Firm, where he represents cyclists injured in car accidents. Thank you both so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you.